welcome to Business of Design. Business of Design is the world's best business training for interior design professionals like you. The Business of Design podcast offers immediate, actionable strategies and a glimpse into some of the many field-tested, proven systems you can implement to transform your business and your life. After the show, head to businessofdesign.com and get started with the BOD 15-step project management strategy and six foundational programs. Together, they deliver the systems, procedures, and strategies you need to run a successful, highly profitable design business. There's no theory here. The complete BOD business model is yours through Business of Design membership. Business of Design. There's only one. And now, your BOD Advocate-in-Chief, Kimberly Selden. Have you ever wanted to give back? To make a difference in the world? Or maybe just in your local community? Maybe you've thought about that using the skills that you have. What could you do? Well, we have an amazing guest, a wonderful woman named Susan Winterstein, who runs a very cool interior design firm, Savvy by Design, but she also makes giving back a big part of her life. Doing the work we do with clients is satisfying, but sometimes there's a feeling that it can be, and these are my words, not Susan's words, somewhat superficial. And so to create a better balance in her life, giving back has become something very important to her. As I said, Susan runs Savvy Interiors. She has a general contractor's license and she works in an exclusive area of San Diego. But in 2014, she established a nonprofit organization, Savvy Giving by Design, And through this, she's able to transform the rooms of children facing a medical crisis, a medical emergency. And I can't think of a better way to apply our skills in a meaningful way. Everybody should get to know Susan. You can follow her on Instagram at Inside by Savvy. I think for a lot of us, giving back is on our wish list. It's something that you may have considered but haven't had time for. If you have little kids and you're running a business, life is a bit overwhelming and a bit hectic, and maybe you just haven't had an occasion to fit it in. I mentioned in the episode that I have volunteered a few times with Habitat for Humanity, and we've even done team building exercises working on job sites for Habitat for Humanity, and I find it very worthwhile. We've worked with the Make-A-Wish Foundation also for children who are facing medical crisis a couple of times we've done that, and it's always been so rewarding. But I also mentioned that we have also devoted our time or given our time, donated our time to causes or efforts that didn't turn out to be exactly what I'd hoped they would be. So for example, there was a period of time, a decade or so, where everybody was doing these silent auctions and we just gave away consultations like candy. Oh, here's a consultation, here's a consultation, here's a consultation. And I found myself on many occasions, driving hours out of my way on a Saturday or Sunday to deliver this free consultation to someone who was lovely, but not my ideal client. None of them turned into larger projects, and some of them were wildly inconvenient because they were hours and hours away. I found myself at a black tie dinner one night, and 
as I was looking over the silent auction table, I stumbled on an interior designer who had provided her service. And someone had spilled red wine on the bid sheet. And the bid was extremely low. And I thought, wow, this person is going to give up two, three, four hours of her free time, her spare time, which is probably hard to come by. And someone is going to purchase this consultation for $100 or less. And she won't have any idea that that's what happened. Nor will she have any idea that her business card has red wine spilled all over it. And it really is not a good representation of her brand. So in that moment, I thought, that's it. I'm not doing that anymore. And I became more select about where I would donate my time and how I would donate my time. And I think that that is wise as well. And Susan will talk about that. Anyway, it's a lovely episode. And now, something different for announcements. The whole gang is here. We have been meeting. Hey, Janine. Hey, Cheryl. Hi. Hey, Hey. guys. Hey, guys. We have been strategizing, planning our uh, the launch of our new BOD boss group in Australia this morning, which is so fun. But we're going to take a break from that right now to do some quick podcast announcements. Um, and I know we've been talking about uh, going to Toronto and DC for the BOD 15. If you haven't implemented the BOD 15 yet, if you haven't got your projects running in a streamlined, systematized fashion, what could be more important than that? Nothing. But Cheryl, there's other things going on at Business of Design, for instance. (laughs) Well, before I jump into that, because I actually want to assign some homework to our members. Um, But I just, you know, I always get to do the fun logistics. So uh, for the BOD 15, Toronto is October 4th and 5th, and Winchester is October 25th and 26th. So details are on the website and please register. We had a, such a great time in Australia doing this BOD 15 intensive. And so we'd love to see that happening again in cities in Canada and the U.S. It's, it's, it's really a don't miss event. It was so cool, wasn't it? And it, it didn't hurt that we were in Sydney. That was kind of awesome, too. No, it was so fun. And the feedback we got was great. Even from the attendees who had done a lot of work on the BO 15, just having that BO15? Did you say BO15? You did. BOD15. Kimberly there. Cheryl, you tell me. Right. She said BO. Forget it. I'm you not going to edit it. Anyway, we got a lot okay. of great feedback. <laughs> well, the other thing I want to mention before I let you guys go. So uh, coming up on um, August 23rd, our next BOD Live, we're doing the topic of money mindset. Uh, that seemed to be a, a big one that came up as a topic at our last um BOD live meeting in July um, with members talking about not charging enough and sort of their reasons why. So it really struck that chord with the money mindset program. So I wanted to sort of assign that in advance um, because you still have almost two weeks to uh, to take that program before joining us for BOD live. So take the money mindset expertise value program within your membership and then join us for BOD live on August 23rd. Oh, that sounds so good. Janine and I have been working for a year on writing new books, new new business of design books. And uh, the first book, of course, the foundational things you need to do to prepare yourself to be in business, to have a solid, mature business. And money mindset is definitely how we start things. You just can't get away from it, right? It's such a great mix of, of systems and then 
philosophy in the money mindset section in particular. And it really gets down to some of the the brass tacks about why we think the way we think, why we price ourselves the way we do, why we brand our businesses the way we do. And so it's a it's a must read for people who want to get in the right headspace. Yes, you are so right. And fees. We're talking, we're currently working on a section talking about setting your fee so it attracts your ideal client. That's the point, right? So anyway, August 23rd, talking money mindset. Yeah. Nobody started from a lower place than I did, you know, so I'll ha- be happy to be vulnerable at that meeting. Yes, Confessions of Kimberly. (laughs) Exactly. You guys stay well. Take care. Talk to you later. Bye. Susan, great to see you. Good to see you. Thank you so much for hosting me today. Oh, I was looking forward to the conversation because although we talk to a lot of interior design professionals, I don't know that we've ever zeroed in on talking about different ways they give back and how rewarding that can be. And so that I thought would be a great conversation to have with you today. Oh, yeah. I'm looking forward to sharing about all of that. Well, I think most of us in a creative profession feel a kind of tug toward doing the right thing and going the extra mile and making someone happy when we can do it. But the reality is, if you're going to give your time freely to an organization, no matter how wonderful it is or how important the benefit is, you have to have the bandwidth and the resources to be able to do that. So so right off the bat, do you think that's what kind of holds people back from giving in a big way because they're just already overwhelmed with work and other commitments? I think that goes across the board. You know, any type of volunteerism we do, it has to have a value add for that person. They've got to feel that tug, like you said, but really making sure that you're being really honest with yourself and what you can put forward out into the world and what you can't. And so, you know, everybody has something that they can give. Everybody has some way that they try to give back or do the right thing. Uh, It really is just deciding what your capacity is and, um, you know, how well organized you are, how well allocated your time is. And and that just all relates back to business and, you know, how you organize your business and how you create that time that you want to give back and what type of priority it means in your life. Are you attracting less than ideal clients or worse, no clients at all from Instagram? If so, you're missing out on a lucrative advertising and marketing resource for your interior design firm. No worries. Darla Powell, founder of Wingnet Social, has designed a course just for you, Instagram for interior designers. It's a comprehensive seven-module course with downloadable worksheets and over 40 lessons where you will learn how to optimize your Instagram account, create captivating and visually appealing content, attract more organic followers, leverage Instagram's key features, and develop a successful content strategy that attracts your ideal clients. Taught by Darla and a team of seasoned experts with years of experience in social media marketing and interior design, enrolling in this course means bidding farewell to the struggles and overwhelm of Instagram and saying hello to intentional strategic marketing to attract your ideal clients. Don't miss this chance to transform your interior design business. Use code BOD20 to enjoy a limited time discount of 20%. Head on over to wingnutsocial.com and check out Wingnut Academy to learn more. Instagram for interior designers. 
Well, let's hear your origin story then in that regard, because you run an interior design firm, Savvy Design, but you give back in a, in a pretty big and meaningful way. So let's mm-hmm. start by telling everybody what you do. Uh, So Savvy Interiors is a design build firm in San Diego, California. We hold a general contractor's license. So I do in California, a lot of remodels and construction projects, uh, mostly related around full home refreshes or vacation homes from uh, people that live out of state that really want that single point of accountability in their project. So they want the design to build, uh, they give us their keys, we handle all of those types of details. Um, after doing it for so many years and having our you know, system and our process pretty dialed in from a contractor perspective and project management perspective, um, our team expanded, obviously. And so we run a fairly large team in San Diego. And uh, it was really getting to the point where I think a lot of us feel a little burnout. This was pre-COVID. This was 2014. And so I, I pretty much knew what I was doing in my day job. And uh, somebody had approached me, uh, one of my social media pages about uh, doing a meal train for a local child that had been diagnosed with cancer. And they asked if they could post this meal train schedule on my page. And I said, of course, you know, and the famous story is like, I don't cook at all. Like I design kitchens all day long. I'm not a gourmet cook. Um, I love designing, but I don't, I don't cook. I'm, I'm lost in a grocery store. So um So I said, I can't help, but maybe there's a way that um, I can help in a different way. Like, does she need any new bedding or something kind of fun for her room if she's going to be going through this year-long treatment? And uh, they're like, I don't know, I'll ask. And so the mom said, yes, we'd we'd love to talk about that. And I went over and met with this, you know, uh, at the time, you know, 13-year-old girl who uh, was a star soccer player. And, you know, her whole life had just changed on a dime. And I saw in her room, like there were, there was a lampshade on the lamp or it was painted a really intense blue color that they had tried to get that turquoise, right. You know, and, and that's such a hard color to get right in a small room and no closet doors or a good study area. And, and so as I was looking around, I'm like, oh, we can, we can make this better. You know, she needed some solid surface floors. And so I started talking to the local nurses and the local PT people and my community and what they needed. And focused really on, okay, what's going to make this very, very functional for her, but then also how can I make it look nice? And and so when we made over the room, then we started looking at the sibling space and going, oh, wow, like we can't do all of this for one room and not do something for her sister. And so we did a little light refresh on her sister's space. And gosh, when I was done and I saw her reaction and just the emotional um uh, relief it was for her to have a space that she could be and be comfortable in that fit all of the functional needs that she had for lighting and light control and solid surface floors and all of the organic bedding, but also just how pleasing it was for her to be in the room. To this day, she's a junior in college at Columbia, and she still has her room exactly the same way that she had it eight years ago. So I love this story. I love it. And you're able to see this physical representation of love of, and that's kind of what we do for our clients all the time. But Mm -hmm. it takes a story like that to remind us what's at stake. Mm -hmm. And so you developed from there, you, you did something and kind of formalized your commitment to giving Mm -hmm. back. But for those who are listening and think, oh my gosh, that sounds amazing, but I could never 
take on too much or, you know, a lot more than I'm taking on right now, as simple as reaching out to one other person and seeing if they need help in a small mm-hmm. way or a big way, you know, new bedding, a new lampshade, even that can matter a lot. Mm-hmm. It really can. And I think um, I, it was at the time in my career, I think, where I was starting to feel a little burnout, right? You know, you you get, we, we work with a certain population and although a lot of our clients are so lovely and we adore them, there are times when they will send you that note for whatever reason that says that they're devastated about a seam that's not straight on a sofa. And it come right on the heels of that. I specifically remember the conversation of a, a custom sofa and the seam, the piping was in one little tiny area that wasn't even seen was just like a little, it just had a little kink in it that needed to be smoothed out. Or there was a thread that literally just needed to be pulled that had been cut, but didn't get pulled. And they were just devastated that we could possibly deliver a sofa that looked like this. And, you know, you just get every once in a while, that one client that's just a little high strong or little needs a little extra. And, you know, you understand that you come to accept that. But I started to really feel as though, there wasn't a perspective in my life that I was so stuck in this, this luxury arena that I didn't, it, it wasn't really having the impact that I wanted. And so uh, doing the room really helped to counterbalance for me personally. And I think that's what continues to motivate me is that counterbalance of this very small percentage of clientele that we work for versus the everyday families that are struggling to make ends meet maybe financially because of their medical diagnosis and they have to take time off work and maybe they would not, we were not going to be the first people they would call, nor would they ever have hired a designer to come in and do this or understood the impact that it could have, that they're getting a chance to experience this with no expectation coming back of money or anything. It's just a gift. And so really having that uh, kind of a teeter-totter, if you will, to give me that balance of a perspective. It really helped me personally, I think, uh, appreciate and accept our clients for where they are and just realize that they can say all of these things, but I don't have the same reaction to them as I did prior. Yeah, I, I love that illustration of perspective. And I remember um, saying to a client, couple of clients, uh, in a similar manner or under similar circumstances, listen, there's just no such thing as a decorating emergency. And if you're at the point where your biggest concern is the drapes or a slipped stitch on the sofa, Mm -hmm. aren't you lucky? Because there are people who, for them, that is just not a thought right now. They're thinking about life and death. So I've had that conversation with clients too. I've always felt that being able to give something back um, also made me more solid in my community, like just a stronger member of my community in general. And so many beautiful connections with human beings from those kinds of projects. And I think you you touched on this, Susan. You said the expectation is you're not going to get anything back except for love. You're going to get back love and, and hugs, but you're not going to get another client out of it or some other reward. You do it because it feels good and it's the right thing to do. Yeah, I think that there's a there was a saying, and I'm probably going to butcher it, but it was something along the lines of a true gift is something that can never be repaid, right? That that that's a true gift. 
Um, and so that's really what I wanted to do is just to be able to give a true gift without, with zero expectation of anything in return. Um, and that to me makes it feel, um, more genuine for whatever yeah. reason, but it doesn't happen alone. Right. So the, the secret sauce really was that sense of community that we had that I was able to tap into. So I'd already had this kind of a buy sell page that I was running on, on Facebook for my clients to sell off extra furniture and appliances and things like that to rehome items. And so we'd had that community on there of maybe, I don't know, at the time, six, 800 people, this was in 2014 and really tapping into that community and saying, okay, Hey, this is what I'm thinking of doing. What do you think? Do you think you guys are in, uh, you know, cause I, I didn't have, it wasn't an official, you know, 501c3 at that point. And just to see the people come out of the woodwork locally in our community that wanted to donate and help, um, you know, in three days, we raised about $6,000. And that is just a testament to the community at large of like rising to the occasion, right, and being able to have an impact on this child locally. So that was, you know, I call them our savvy givers. There's this silent army that lives in the computer that just like wants to come out and help. And, and that really gave people that kind of rally cry. You know, I really was the only person that just kind of came up and said, Hey, let's do this and took the lead on it. But it really yeah. was all of their support or none of what we did would have happened. So, yeah, I love savvy givers. I think that's terrific. And I think it leads to the next question, which is not every organization that approaches you as an interior design professional for you to give your time freely is worthwhile, right? I found myself in a trap years ago, like maybe 2006, seven, eight, where every single person that approached me who said, can you give something to my silent auction? We came up with something. And mm -hmm. I realized after a while that those donations, I'm not sure they made a big difference in the world. And I certainly don't think what we gave uh, represented our brand well at the end of a night. You know, if you, you give a gift certificate for a consultation, let's say, and it's on a table and someone spills wine on it and somebody uh, offers to pay $30. And then what happened to me is somebody bought this consultation for their aunt who lived two and a half hours away. And so now I'm driving to a very wealthy woman's home right. two and a half hours away to give my time for free for what? for nothing. So right. I think we also want to be discerning about where we give our expertise away. How did, how did you, how do you feel about that? Uh, well, it's a really tough call. I think it's different for everyone. You know, one of my, you know, for younger designers that have come to me and said, you know, how do I get into certain communities or how do I start to introduce myself as a, as a baby designer, you know, into, um, uh, so people know who I am. I think school auctions and local communities in your that where you live or an area that you want to be in is a great intro to kind of a brand awareness, right? So it just depends on whether you're looking to truly volunteer your time or you're looking for brand awareness. Are you looking at it as a marketing tool? Um, so if you're truly looking to volunteer and have an impact, then there are so many organizations that could benefit from interior design. Uh, whether that's an e-design plan, like we're partnered with Make-A-Wish and it's not uncommon for us to take one of our designers that is registered with us and partner them up across the country with a Make-A-Wish chapter because these are all run by volunteers and you can do the design and help them and you don't have to go anywhere and you're doing that yeah. because you truly want to volunteer and have an impact versus you're using it for uh, a brand identity. 
Make-A-Wish is a great organization. We've done a few makeovers for Make-A-Wish, but it's been it's been a number of years now. Another organization that um, I've had a lot of fun working with and we'll do team building exercises through this organization is Habitat for Humanity. Mm-hmm. That's another place where you can really give your time freely and um, the rewards are you know, team building, camaraderie, community, you know, interaction and all kinds of good things. So yeah. there's lots of reasons to to do it. But yes. I think we also as design professionals want to be careful not to overextend what we do for free. And you want to be kind of somewhat discerning about that. A hundred percent. You have to have your why. So everybody has a why. Why do you want to do it? Why do you want to be involved? Um, uh, you know, in 2017, I believe we expanded uh, with a pilot program out of Alabama with a designer out there who said that she really wanted to be involved in some way and giving back in this way. Um, her mother had died of cancer when she was young. And uh, it's one of the reasons she became a designer. And so she wanted to give back uh, to her chapter. Um, and then throughout the years, uh, you know, we've expanded, to, we've got about 11 chapters right now, chapter leaders, all run by professional interior designers nationally. And they um, all have their why. You know, one young woman uh, designer um, broke both of her legs in high school and had a bed in the living room for six months and was in a wheelchair. And she said that just not having her own space at that time, she could relate to the impact a room would have on a child in a crisis. Um, yeah. and she had, had her own room as a young woman, as a teen girl um, with some privacy, you know, in high school, but she had no privacy. And so she just remembers that and wanted to give back in that different way. So everybody's got their why. We should also clarify, you mentioned an organization, but we haven't said the name of it. Savvy Giving by Design is your nonprofit organization. What prompted you to launch that? Was it just based on this very first experience you had or how did it come Uh about? I had done several rooms. Uh, My initial gut reaction was it was just going to be a philanthropic arm of Savvy Interiors. And, uh, you know, I was just going to kind of do it on my own. And about a year into it, after doing several rooms, one of my clients who was an attorney at the time said, you know, you really need to be an official 501c3 so we can help you raise money in a different way. Her mother had passed of cancer a few years earlier. And so I think in honor of her mom, she wanted to kind of give back in that way. And so she volunteered her time to do the paperwork because I said, as long as I don't have to do any paperwork, like I'm good, you can, you can do whatever. So, uh, so she, uh, along with my husband at the time had set it up and kind of launched that nonprofit, you know, part. And then she's since um, uh, been off the board for the last couple of years, but we still stay in touch and it's the, the board's grown and changed and morphed. And, you know, my only goal at this point is to have it live beyond me, right? Like just like a business, you want to get that up and running uh, independent so that it has a life of its own and doesn't have a founder syndrome. And, you know, it's just all about, you know, me and my vision. It really is a group, a group vision, a little bit different than running a business. It's so exciting. Um, tell me how how are things going at Savvy Interiors? Because you do have a for-profit arm of your business. Yes. And how are things going there? And what does the future hold for, for Savvy Interiors? Uh, well, Savvy Interiors um, is kind of North County, San Diego. And we do really a mix of projects of full home remodels or kitchens, baths, and then new builds um, design only on larger projects. So we're a team of about a dozen. There's about a dozen of us. Um, and I oversee six different designers and their design teams um, as a creative director and kind of have my finger in a couple different pots. Um, so right now, I think the next couple of years as I'm getting on in my years, 
Uh, I think it's really about uh, memorializing our structure and documenting everything that we can. Uh, again, as I take a few more steps and more steps and just take on those types of projects that really speak to me and the things that I really want to do more than anything and get our team going on all of the things that they don't need me for as much over the years. So, you know, it's just an ongoing Reevaluation, but you know, my grandmother was a an interior designer up in Orange County for up until she was in her late 80s, taking on just the things she wanted to with her friends and family and and remodels here and there, and she loved it. And so I don't really see not wanting to do it because I still love the creative as long as it's challenging for me uh, and I get to do some different things and try some things. Then I don't have a problem. But I I really do enjoy the business side of it, probably yeah. as much as I do the design side of it. Oh, yeah, I do too now. And by the way, we're all getting up in years. Like, I don't yeah. care how old you are, where it's always marching forward. And the sooner you can think about succession, I, I think the, the better off you're going to be in terms of running a profitable, mature business. So good mm-hmm. luck with all of that. Very exciting. We like to end every episode with something we call design intervention. So that's just a great piece of business advice. The listener might be someone who's just started their interior design business, might be someone who's been in business for 25 years. It might be self-evident to you, but something that you kind of live by or a great nugget of truth you've learned along the way. Um, oh gosh, there's so many. I know. Possibly twos. I would say education uh, in whatever form that comes in. I'm a firm believer in that you don't need a formal interior design education, but you do need to be open to education at every turn by asking questions. And so um, don't be shy about saying, I don't know. Uh, and it's one of the things that I'm always trying to teach my team is that it's okay not to know. It's not okay to not know where to go to get the answer and educate yourself so that you're always learning. Because I think that's the one thing I love about this career is, uh, you know, you could meet 20 years in and still learn something new. Uh, so it's it's always learning. It's so true. And I find when I travel, I end up learning so much that mm-hmm. informs the rest of the design I do. And I also find if you're in that high-end luxury um, snack bracket with clients, they're traveling and they're mm-hmm. eating at fine restaurants and they're going to see amazing shows and theater productions. So being able to you know, live in that arena and speak to my clients on that kind of level, I think is really important too. So don't forget about like just pop culture, learning yeah. about the world around you, art, uh, art, architecture, uh, even Absolutely. great wine, you know, those things yeah. contribute as well. Yeah, yeah. 100%. Thank you so much. It was amazing yeah, to pleasure. meet you. And um, you. just North San Diego, I don't think that includes La Jolla. It does. Yeah. Oh, it does. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I have a good friend who lives in La Jolla. Yeah. It's beautiful. Yeah. We love, yeah. I have a project uh, demoing out today down there. So. Oh, very nice. Thanks for listening and supporting the BOD mission to improve the industry one design business at a time. If you're ready to implement an exact business model for running a streamlined, profitable business, field tested by thousands of design professionals around the world, head to businessofdesign.com and get started today. It's time to dramatically improve your business and transform your life.